are listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to Doing Law Differently, and I'm Lucy Dickens. Today, we're talking about price, which is something that we haven't actually spoken about all that much on the podcast. There's been some conversation in passing, but no real in-depth discussion around pricing strategy or fixed and value pricing. So it's really nice to bring that to you today and bring it to you via a wonderful guest, Stephen Brown from Lynn and Brown Lawyers. Lynn and Brown offers services in the areas of commercial law, family law, estate planning and deceased estates. And a few years ago, they made the decision to switch their practice to entirely fixed price. Their vision now is to be the team that transforms the way people experience law. And part of that is the firm's pricing model. But as you listen to the interview, changing the pricing model also leads to a flow on effect as all sorts of other changes around customer experience and team and staff well-being. And so you'll see that in Lynn and Brown's experience, at least, changing the pricing model has just been the trigger for a whole flow on effect of really interesting changes to their business. And as you'll hear from Stephen, ones that have been changes for the better. Enjoy the interview. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Lucy. I'm very excited to welcome you. The main thing I want to talk to you about that I'm quite excited to hear your views on is pricing. I know from previous conversations with you that that's something that you're quite passionate about. And I'm really keen to hear your journey with implementing fixed pricing. So can you talk to us about your transition and the journey? Where did you start with going from timed billing to offering fixed prices? Yeah, so it was something I'd had a a senior lawyer for many years putting articles on my desk about and we looked at and said, oh, that's all too hard. How do you fix price, particularly complex litigation? How do you do it? And then we started to hear, particularly we saw John Chisholm talk about it and started to hear of other firms over east doing it. And we thought, well, if they could do it, we can do it. So in... The start of 2017, we started having a few test cases where we ran them on a fixed price and also at the same time still recorded time on them. And then from the 1st of June 2017, we switched the clock and everything that came through our door was done on a value-based pricing method. We had some great people to support us and help us to give us the right direction, but I think what we found on the journey is each firm will find its own way to go about it. And a big thing here for us at Lynn and Brown has always been bringing the team on the journey. So it was really important for us to get the whole team on board. Um, We have a very team mentality and we like to hear from all aspects of the team, particularly those people that don't have a legal background as to what their thoughts are. And It really, I suppose, hit a tune with us with some advisors we'd been working with on becoming more customer focused. Yes. And looking at engaging with a law firm from a customer's point of view. And the idea that lawyers will tell you they can't put a sticker price on their services just didn't ring true. If they can build rockets for a fixed price, I'm pretty sure that we can deliver legal services for a fixed price. So, yeah. When we started to question the model and and look at it from that perspective, it it became obvious that that was where we wanted to go. 
So when you did those test files where you were still recording time but charging on a fixed basis, what did you see? What kind of results or changes in your business had you seen that made you decide, okay, we're going to make the switch and become 100% fixed fee? What were the things that you, you saw as a result of that test? One of the things that we have seen subsequent to it is that actually doing the time recording is the bad part of it because it just gives you this false sense of security and you spend a whole lot of time wasting time recording time. Mm. And actually we could back ourselves that we actually knew more than what we thought we knew about pricing, that we had a lot of knowledge about what is a fair and reasonable rate to charge for the services we were providing. And we just had to really, I suppose, back that knowledge that we had in believing that we could set the price right and not send the business out the door backwards. I'm usually a pretty relaxed business owner, but about two weeks before we switched the clock, I was sitting on my couch late one night and actually noticed myself having a bit of a, almost a panic attack over the idea of what we were going to do. And I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And I suppose I'd run the business for about 20 years and the thought of what would happen, it could pretty quickly go south. But what we've found is we are more profitable now than what we were when we were recording on time. And uh, we have so much more enjoyment in the way that we practice law. Uh, It's been phenomenal, the transformation. It's funny though, because it is a really big shift in your business model going from time-based billing. And you you did just, like you say, you switched the clock. It wasn't so much of a gradual implementation as it was you set a date and everything after that date was going to be fixed. You you said that you think you're more profitable now as a result of implementing fixed prices. Why do you think that is? I think on multiple levels, we are now more innovative about how we get to the solution, which I think works well for both sides in that we will now try to get to a solution the best and quickest way possible for the client. So the client gets to solution mode a lot quicker which everyone loves, but also then we've cut out some of the fluff that might have been in there in to get to that solution. Therefore, we're a lot more efficient. Went to America in late 2017 and had the pleasure of being invited to go to a conference of a group called Verisage. And they have a constant debate there about efficiency first effectiveness. And they call it the effing debate. And we sort of talk about that with... We want to be really effective, but to be really effective for our clients also, we've got to find efficiencies to get there. And what we have found is that we've found some really good efficiencies in delivering still a really effective service. What about making the decision about price? Who decides how much you're going to charge a customer and what kind of things do you consider? Mm. So we've got a fairly involved process and that's one of the things that that is a lot more difficult about practicing law this way is that we spend a lot of time strategizing and developing scopes of work up front. So we will have most of the time a consultation with the client and in that consultation we ask a lot of questions that uh, we never used to ask of a client around value, how they want the services delivered, what level of communication are they likely to expect of us during the delivery, whether they want that communication by phone, email, in person. A lot of questions that we would never have asked in an initial consult, plus all those questions uh, to get the fact-finding in the consult. We then have the lawyer that took the initial consult, and maybe one or two lawyers, depending on the nature of the matter, in on the initial consult. And they then have to provide a series of 
answers to questions that then get put in front of what we call a pricing council. Now, pricing council meets three times a week, and that's three other lawyers and our head pricer, who's not a legally trained person, but she has a lot of experience in customer delivery, and she's probably got her finger on the pulse more than anyone else in the office about pricing. We like also the people in that pricing council to be, we have three core areas of practice here. and We like there to be people outside of the core area to really be looking at it a bit of a perspective of a customer who doesn't have the knowledge base of that person. What we find is lawyers really tend to undervalue their knowledge when that knowledge is intrinsic to them. So we often find that the lawyers that aren't involved in that area of practice uh, value greater what is being delivered for the client and therefore price it accordingly than someone who might have done that a thousand times in their career already. Then out of that pricing council, so the, the lawyer will deliver a proposal with that as well. So set out a scope of work and we always give our clients three options to choose from the, um, the package of the service. So, and that's quite difficult on some occasions to do. So the team will then work around how um, those packages might sit, put some price on it, and then we deliver that proposal to the client. Do the members of that pricing council change or are they always the same for people in the firm? No, they change. So there are some people that aren't involved with the pricing council, but they change. I like this idea. This is clever. So you're giving everybody the experience of scoping and quoting, and yet they're doing it in a team-based approach. Yes, correct. And does every quote that you send out have to go through the pricing council before it's sent? No. So we do have um, a system where if it's under a certain amount of money, it can be done without the pricing council, but no one can price their own work. So even if it is under the threshold, um, and at the moment we're working on a threshold of $3,000, but we're looking at moving that a little bit upward. But someone who wants to say price the preparation of a contract um, and some advice around it for $2,000, they have to go and either sit down with our head pricer, Eleni Maas, or they need to sit with another lawyer and get someone else to sign off on it at all occasions. Do you find that this results in a delay in getting your scopes and your quotes out or has it become streamlined and so that isn't really so much of a problem? Not a problem anymore. It was at the start. There was a lot of work on streamlining that process and and we know that when a customer comes to us, they're in decision-making mode at that time so we've got to respond to them fairly quickly and the nature of some of the litigation that we work with as well requires quick action. So there are occasions as well where even if it is a big matter, we will call just an urgent pricing meeting, grab three people and price it because we need to get it out that morning. All right, this is interesting. I really like this approach. Talk to me about the tiered pricing. So you offer three different service levels. And again, do you do that for every quote or for every customer? 98% of the time. Sometimes we can't. But we've got a lot better at working out ways in which we can vary the scope and the proposal for the client. Uh, Sometimes that variation is based on time of delivery because uh, time is really important to them. And and sometimes a customer will tell you, I need this tomorrow and we'll give them a price for tomorrow, but we'll give them a price for the end of the week as well. And it might not have therefore been as urgent as uh, they might have thought originally. But we then use 
levels of communication as a variable for it. It might be that also they may want to have an extra piece of correspondence that's done in the delivery of it. So those type of things are what we use as variables to give us the options. How do you organise then and keep track of those scopes so that you can reuse them? Because I would imagine that often a quote that you do for customer A will probably look quite similar to something that you do for customer B in a similar practice area. So what do you do to keep track of those things so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time? Yeah, a lot of work really in the the second year of it was developing some idea of some precedent scopes. Now, precedents are used just like any other precedent should be used in it's a guide and it's not, um, we don't roll them out because we we don't like operating cookie cutter approach. Really, we're, we're trying to price the customer and the work and therefore everyone's slightly different. And you'd know that from practising and all the lawyers listening know that is that someone that comes in for a shareholders agreement and the next business that comes in the next week for a shareholders agreement have got two completely different businesses. They're operating different personalities in them, have different, therefore, interests, different positions in life and different positions that the business is operating in. So it's a different scenario that they present. And different people like to be serviced in different ways. Some people like to just, you know, just get it to me and give it to me and that's all. But some people want to talk it through, fully understand it, work it for quite a while and get it to be, you know, perfect. Some people like something that would just be manageable for them. So, And they're having those questions with the client, really getting a lot closer to them and a closer understanding works really well for that, but also then works long-term really well because we get to, more intricately understand our clients and therefore can work with them a lot better. Mm, And understanding their objectives as well, isn't it? Because like you say, then you can look for ways to make your service more effective or efficient, whichever way, you know, whichever version of their Fs you're going to look at. But like you said before, at the beginning, kind of cutting out the, the fluff because you know exactly what their objectives is. You don't necessarily need to go into other scenarios. Yeah, and that's a question that's really important to us up front is what does the end of this project look like for you? And really getting a vision from them as to what is a perfect end result for them and what they would like it to look like at the end and having that really open conversation about whether we can deliver that sort of picture for them, particularly in the litigation game. For most people, once they're involved with litigation, the end result is not ever going to be ideal even if they win at a trial because they've been through 18 24 months of uh, dealing with a hotly contested dispute and even if they got exactly what they wanted they've spent a whole lot of money on legal fees and had a whole lot of stress and a whole section of their life taken away from them so yeah we talk about that yeah what is an ideal end result and one of the other words that came up there is project we've become a lot more focused on working project based and and looking at industries like the engineering industry and how they manage projects mm-hmm. construction businesses and it's made us look a lot more at other types of businesses and how they operate and how they can be effective out different to um just you know looking at really good law firms that we liked in the past and what they were doing, we've sort of broadened our horizon about how we look at business. Yeah, a couple of episodes ago, I spoke to Karen from uh, Gilbert and Tobin and she was explaining in that interview how they have put or in the process of putting all their staff through project management training. And is it like you say with engineering and just looking at the way other businesses operate, 
particularly businesses who have been focused on running as a business in the true sense of the word, as opposed to as a practice, which is the tradition for law, we really can learn so much from looking at how other industries operate. A quick break from the interview to let you know about a new service that I'm offering. For almost 10 years, I've designed and delivered productized legal services that have transformed the way law firms operate. I've now designed a coaching program where I'll teach you how to design services that truly meet your customers' needs, package them for sale, and systematize and streamline service delivery so that you can work smarter, not harder. Ultimately, it's about simplifying your business model so you can escape the billable hour and the best part, spend your time on work you love. If you're keen to learn more, visit lucydickens.com.au and book in for a free 30-minute discovery call. What are some of the flow-on effects that you've seen from implementing fixed pricing that perhaps you didn't expect when you set out on the journey? I mean, you've spoken a lot about your customer experience and the focus on your customer's objectives. What are some of the other things that, that you've identified? Yeah, internally, we've always been a big firm based around team and close collegial aspect of the practice, but and a bit different to a lot of other new law businesses that have lawyers everywhere working remotely. We have a lot of people that do flexible hours here, but we love to be face to face with each other Mm -hmm. and to sit down and talk about matters with each other and really collaborate. And the great thing about practicing law this way, it allows us to do that. In the past, we had to justify to a client why two lawyers sat down and talked on their matter and worked really high level strategically. And the clients would say, well, why do you have to do that? Can't you just get on and get the job done? And we had to justify the time we spend doing that. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we don't have to worry about that. We can spend really powerful time sitting with each other, working out solutions and bouncing ideas off each other. And so it brought us a lot closer together. It moved us away from siloing work. We now share bits and pieces on jobs all the time, dealing with who's either got time capacity or expertise in that area or has recently done something like that. And the lawyers just love not recording time. There's so much research on what that does to uh, your mental health by having to spend all that time recording time and being tracked based upon your ability to record X number of hours in the day, regardless of how actually effective and what solutions you solve that day for for clients. So the lawyers really love that they're focused on just getting to a solution and achieving a solution for a client and don't have to have this discussion with a client at the end of the day about what the bill was because the client was guaranteed a price up front and never opens a bill from us that they didn't fully expect to receive. Absolutely. Makes such a difference to the culture of the firm and even just individual well-being, not having to record, you know, X number of hours and work out where those hours are going to come from. Yeah. And and all our KPIs, no, we don't have um, individual KPIs around work delivery. They're all team-based. So we develop um, KPIs for what for the team to deliver so many solutions in a period and then we reward as a team. So it may be they hit some targets and they get an afternoon off at a, at a nice restaurant that the team go to together. So some team building. And there's usually some options that are available to the team. Sometimes they might want some vouchers somewhere. They might want an extra day's leave. So there's a few different options that we provide them, but it's all team-based. There's no individual rewarding that happens. So what then are some of the KPIs that you use to assess performance? 
So we look at KPIs around how many solutions they came to in a period of time. There's also some financial KPIs about how much business they did within the month. Yeah. But we don't record time at all anymore. We did for the first six months. And that was one of the things that a lot of the firms that we spoke to that had already switched to value-based pricing said, the sooner you can stop doing it, the better. And probably it wasn't until... My business partner, who's my sister, Jackie, and I went to the Verisage conference in Texas and just were blown away by some amazing people that we had the courage to come back and do it. So that you didn't have a panic attack that time? No. You knew it was good? You knew it was good by this stage and had a lot good. of faith in it and um, saw some really smart people running some really great businesses that way. What's your advice for someone who wants to get started with implementing fixed pricing or even just more generally doing practicing law in a different way? What would your key advice be for them? You really just have to do it. Do a whole lot of reading and then do it. It's never going to be the right time to do it and you've got to be willing to make mistakes. We made, we've made heaps of mistakes along the way and all of the reading I've done, say if you want to change things, you've got to be willing to make mistake after mistake and know that the mistake will make you get it better. So we have developed a real mentality here of even if it's not perfect, you've just got to go and do it, knowing Mm -hmm. that you will make mistakes along the way, but those mistakes will help you make it perfect. Do you think that's hard for lawyers, for people in the legal profession to get their head around? Do your staff struggle with that? (laughs) So hard, so hard. We're trained to avoid risk. We're trained to have clients avoid risk and to help them to avoid risk in the way in which they practice. So to then go and do the opposite internally in your business, it is very difficult at times. So how have you helped your staff through that transition? Because obviously you're making the decisions about whether we're going to change to fixed pricing, but they're also involved in, you know, I imagine that you're now encouraging them, telling them the advice that you've just given all of us. So how do you encourage them to feel safe in making mistakes? So some of the KPIs that we have for them is how innovative are you? How often do you come to us with an idea out of the box and go, why don't we try this? We're really open and encouraging of that. And um, we really love when the business has ideas coming from left, right and centre. We really have a mentality here is it's not a top-down delivery. I know I don't have all the answers and I expect my team to help find the answers. So we have weekly team meetings in each of the three core teams, I'll sit down for half an hour to an hour and, and talk about what work there is, but also about ways in which it can be delivered and how we can deliver this better. We have after action reviews. So every month the team sit down and we'll review a matter and we ask a series of questions with that. So we look at what happened, what should have happened, what went well and how we could improve it. So, you know, we're directly looking at each other and going, well, you know, yes, we had some great success in this, but maybe we could do this better and the whole team work on how we can improve it. And sometimes that's a learning for that particular team. But often then once a month, we have a full team meeting where we look at what we're doing on innovation, how we can enhance the business. And during that meeting, we give different people an opportunity to do a presentation and they're encouraged in that presentation to bring an idea to the group that is something that we haven't talked about before. Did you do all these things when you were still charging based on time? No. I'd never even heard of doing after-action reviews before reading um, Ron Baker's book, Implementing Value Pricing. 
which is really was a bible for us on our journey, particularly at the start. Great book if anyone hasn't read it before and want to look at moving to value-based pricing. Uh, Ron Baker's book is essential read. Yeah, I'll include the link to that in the show notes as well. So if people want to go and check it out, they can follow that and find it there. It sounds like you've got a real big focus on making your business better and not just in terms of the practice of law but the way you deliver services and the way that you engage with your staff and your customers and it sounds like from what you've explained to me that all of that has flown on as a result of the change in your pricing structure yeah definitely and it's it's made Mm. us then once you make one change and you see it work and you see the success that it brings and it's changed the way in which people are interacting here with clients and the experience for clients is so much better, then you look for the next way to improve it. Mm-hmm. And probably reinvigorated me. Yeah, you just answered the question I was going to ask you. Has it made for a more meaningful business for you? Oh, yeah, so much so. Before we made this change, I'd been practising for 20 years and it's given me a, a fresh energy and a new way of looking at things and just really reinvigorated. And I've, I've been at the same firm for the 24 years now. So you've got to constantly look at ways in which you reinvent yourself. And this has been a way not just to reinvent me, but reinvent the whole way in which we go about things. It's given me a huge new level of energy to bring to the workplace. It's brilliant. And I think that's a great note to finish on. It's just a reminder of how much more meaningful work can become when you just change it up and you look at practising in different ways. Yeah, definitely. And we don't talk about work-life balance here because I think work is part of life. So we want that part to be really enjoyable as well. We have strong ethos about not spending all the time at work and um, really important to us for people to have some really valuable life outside when they're not working. But we really believe that work is part of life and that we really want to enjoy what we're doing and be making a difference for people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of your learnings with us. It's been really, really interesting conversation. Thank you very much for your time, Lucy. So that's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference because it really helps other people to find out about the show. And lastly, if you or someone who you know is doing law differently, then send them my way at doinglawdifferently.com.au forward slash guest. I'd love to have as much variety on the show as possible. So do send them over. See you next week. Mm